and welcome to another Joyfully Ever After conversation with yours truly, Heidi Esther. I'm a storyteller and a joy coach. I walk alongside women and those who take care of the world to break out of defeating emotional and thought loops, right? All those loops we just keep swimming around and around in, hoping that we get it right and then we don't disappoint anybody else. But guess who gets left in the fishbowl and not in the ocean? Us and our joy. So I uh, walk alongside all those people taking care of the world so that they can cultivate a joy of their very own. So I've been there in the trenches doing and being for everybody else taking care of the world. I walked through a dozen years of the loss, grief, fire, growth, and all that good healing. Of course, the road was not a straight line and twist and turns all over the place and discovered my joyful purpose. So I'm here creating a neighborhood where we peel back all of those different layers that relate to everybody else and get rid of those roles that no longer serve us so we can authentically connect with the soul and the purpose and the joy and all the juiciness we were given. Or you could think of me of a Captain Marvel and Mr. Rogers had a baby who liked baking chocolate chip cookies. Okay. So today is a special kind of Joyfully Ever After conversation. Uh, so while we normally get to hear about uh, like an unconventional journey to joy and all the twists and turns of another empowering soul, today we have another empowering soul here, but we also have an ulterior motive. Uh, my special guest, Jennifer Irwin, and I will be talking about how to get to joyfully ever after when confronted with the formidable foe of imposter syndrome. So beautiful. Are you ready to put your happiness first and move towards joy and see what working with and being soft with and going like, you know, facing that imposter syndrome is okay. All right. Well, let's get crack a lack in. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Hi. <laughs> I'm excited. Yay. I've imposter syndrome. Always a good time. Oh my gosh. Yes. There's like so much, there's so much material here. I had to cut it down by like a thousand percent. Yeah. <laughs> cut it down by days, weeks. <laughs> yes. Yes. And um, the crazy thing is, it's just like, I feel like it's everywhere now that once I, once like I spot it, I can see it anywhere. I can see it. Like I see it in myself. I see it in other people. It's just, um, it's a real pervasive thing. Yeah. Like I could dedicate my life's work to just like working with this one, one tool. Yeah. It's crazy. Really? Yeah. All right. So let's, I'm going to introduce you, uh, Jennifer, and then I want you to, uh, add on any juicy details that you would like. All right. Uh, Jennifer is a professional life coach with expertise in serving physicians and others in caregiving positions. Holla, holla, totally need that. She supports women in decreasing burnout and increasing well-being through an evidence-based coaching model, as well as through her online self-compassion. I can't even say enough good about these programs. She has a degree in psychology, a master's in education, as well as advanced training in nonviolent communication positive psychology, mindfulness, and self-compassion. She's passionate about helping women grow their confidence and life satisfaction through taming that inner critic, which we are going to be talking a lot about today, and developing an unshakable sense of trust in themselves. Oh, God. 
I love that. I love that. Would love to have a whole show about that whole like getting to trust and believing in yourself and all that stuff. But anyway, Jennifer, welcome. Fill in the blanks. Tell us like more about, you know, you, what's going on. Yeah, I'm uh, to me like the inner critic. That is like the formidable foe in terms of imposter syndrome talking about that. So that is something that comes up with all my coaching clients. I love right now I'm coaching a lot of um, women physicians and man, imposter syndrome is like the buzzword amongst um, women physicians right now is like, it really resonates. That's the thing that's going on. I just, I just think that's, you know, you think you get to a point, right? You get to a point in your, in your career in your education and your status in the community. And then, and then things will be great and, and resolved inside. No, no. And it doesn't matter how much like experience you have or like how, how many like accolades behind your name or how many people tell you how great you are. Imposter syndrome like dismisses it all. So it's definitely, it's like looking at all these incredible people and you're like, why would you think you're a fraud? Right. Yeah. But they, like we all do. We all, it's like we dismiss all the good things and then just believe the negative. And we believe this lie that somehow we're not worthy of whatever we've achieved. Yeah. It's like we have this whole like two column system going on in our head of like all the things we have. Oh, let's dismiss that because there's something in the column that we don't. Yeah. And so therefore we're not qualified. Yeah. It's and that so, negativity bias that like weighs yeah, out all oh the gosh. positive. So I heard somewhere and maybe, maybe you can um, talk to this. Like I heard that as women, we focus on, you know, what we don't have. And then it, that kind of feeds into the imposter syndrome. But the men are taught and been have been socialized to look at the positive column and say, I can fill in the blanks. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much research out there that shows how women and men, I mean, there are men who experience the imposter syndrome, but it's much more prevalent in women. And it's a lot of times like there are some social factors. So there's Mm -hmm. like a reality there too, but it's also like where we place blame. Like if we make a mistake, we believe it's our fault versus men who will often look towards the outside thing. Like students have been like, um, research has been shown, like men will say, oh, the test was too hard. If they get a bad grade, they like blame it on the test or the teacher Teacher. or whatever. And women are like, oh my gosh, you know, not only do we blame ourselves, we're not even making it like something good. Like, oh, what could I have done better? I needed to study harder. It's like, I must be a bad student. We instantly make it something about our identity. Right. It's straight to, it goes straight to the core of our being that something is wrong with us. Yeah. Like we are not enough. Yeah. Something about who we are. This is yeah. evidence about who we are, right? Oh, God. Yeah. So we use everything in like a a scary barrier soul way, not in a vulnerable, being authentic yeah. way, but in a like, I'm expo- I'm just always exposing myself for the hurt. Yeah. Kind of, kind of way. Wow. I think that's interesting. So we've been, so, okay. So we've been more socialized, which I think is a positive, to take responsibility. Yeah. Okay. So that's a, that's, that's a I plus, feel like that's right? a plus column, right? Okay. But then yeah. we take it too far, yeah. right? We take it too far in and then we identify with every single thing that doesn't go according to our expectations. Mm-hmm. Then we, we let it slice into the, to that core. And I wonder if this has to do with the fact that like we've been socialized to be objectified by all, mm-hmm. by pieced apart by all our different parts from men and from ourselves, right? And other women, but men are always taught to 
say, like to believe from my understanding that they're whole, right? We look at men as whole people. And so, so nothing gets into that whole, that whole core. And so they can easily more float to the surface and say like, it's one of these like eight other factors Mm -hmm. and it's not going to bother this. Even if, even if it keeps them from taking responsibility for things in their life, their core, um, like soul, I don't know what you call the core, um, stays intact. Yeah. Yeah. And we're always asked to like, kind of look at that, you know, we don't have the reassurance that like, it's not about, yeah, it's not about who we are. I mean, I think we're questioned too, of like, are we worthy? Because for a long time, just historically, (laughs) women haven't been seen as worthy. It makes a lot of sense that we would be questioning that inside of ourselves because we're looking outside to find the value. And then if we Mm -hmm. find it out there and it's saying, yeah, you aren't worthy. Of course, we're going to internalize that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So many, yeah. So many thousands of years just kind of like, all right, well, we're just, we're just the backseat or we're the, we're the original, you know, seat of sin or something like, right. Something like that, that would, that would completely like already at the start, just invalidate everything. And then, and then we would just start saying like everything that was, didn't, we didn't expect happens. will you know, we'll like feed that rot in our core. Right. Rot. Yeah. We're trying to always overcome that like original sin. Yeah. So we're always at, we're always in like negative one. We don't ever get to start it like, you know, plus one or zero even. It's like we start at the, at the negative. I find this very interesting because like, so I was, I always say I was brought up in a pretty masculine environment. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we didn't, we didn't do the feelings. We're very achievement based, very confidence, very confidence based. Right. There wasn't like mm-hmm. affirmations or anything that revolved around the course, just very, very up there. And so, um, so I would say like in my early years, I never, I never experienced, I guess I had a very, I was walking through the world in a very male way. Hmm. And so I never experienced that imposter syndrome, but also my ego was like completely out of, like, it was like way high hmm. and like my self-esteem was like, I didn't know about self-esteem. Yeah. Like if I would have had a little self-awareness, I would have realized that I was very, very sad. And I was very, very lonely and I was not taking care of myself. Um, but, but yeah, so like, so like even walking, walking through, I walking through life like that, I would say I didn't experience imposter syndrome because I thought I was just better than everybody else. But like, yeah. now, <laughs> honey, it's when hard you're to find imposter oh syndrome, God, it's, you're there. It does kind of buffer you from that though. It buffers it, right? So your ego can really buffer you from imposter syndrome, but I feel like it's not, also, your ego buffers you from like finding your authentic self. So it's like a, it's a double-edged sword, people. Yeah. And like true discernment, right? Like yes. that's the thing. Imposter syndrome makes it like all you and like nothing is yours, right? None of your achievements, none mm-hmm. of that. And then you could take it all to be all yours, right? And it's really somewhere in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to live on either extreme because it's not real. Like, yeah. It's not the truth. The truth is that it's like, somewhere here. Right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And it was kind of like when I went through, um, codependent in recovery, I used to think like, all right, other people's stuff is like all my responsibility and I have to get this done. And like my kids' happiness was my responsibility. That's, that was something that I used to hold on to fiercely. Like I'm the must stay at home mom. So therefore I must be responsible for right. Doing all that. And then, um, but that's not, 
that's not re- that's not reality. So once I got my ego out of the way, mm-hmm. my ego out of the way, and I let in a little compassion for myself to give myself time to be with myself and let my kids fall and get back up on their own in the divorce and not be happy all the time. Right. And then I was able to see what was really happening. Right. Right. The reality. And then I was able to start to, to recoup, you know, some of the, some of the self-esteem like through like compassion practices and things like that. Right. But the ego had to move a little bit out, out of the way. Yeah. You have to let yeah. other people be human. You have to let your kids be yeah. human. part of being human is feeling all the things yeah. that come with the hardships, challenges, and joys of life, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say I wouldn't be here today if I I didn't have a lot of hot mess. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to be yeah. robots. I know yeah. I don't want to be a robot, yeah. right? So if the alternative is to be a human, <laughs> <laughs> right? It means you got to have all the things. Yeah, yeah, totally. Wow, this is great. This was like great, great intro. I usually say like, how are you taking care of yourself today? But we can... <laughs> So, so how about that? So we'll, we'll back up a little bit. We'll talk about how we're taking care of today. And then we'll start, start hammering in on all those, those juicy, oh, f- we have three juicy filters. I want to look at imposter syndrome through. I, I think it's just kind of like how I've lived through imposter syndrome. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So how are you taking care of yourself today? Yeah. What I've been doing lately is like kind of redoubling down on some of my self-compassion practice, which really I'm making it super simple. So I put my hand on my heart and I say, how you doing, darling? Like Mm -hmm. I'm just doing a check-in and it's like just that like greeting yourself in the room. That's something that like in my self-compassion classes, it's like, oh, welcome yourself in like you would a friend Mm -hmm. if you saw a friend walking in the room. Right. So can you do that for yourself in this moment and be like, hey, and like have that inner smile. Like if you saw a really good friend walking in the door, you'd be like, yay, they're here So to connect with yourself and be like, hey, what's up? And then just to check in. And it's like two seconds. It takes two seconds of my day, but it helps me remember that I'm here for me, that I got Mm -hmm. my back and that Mm -hmm. I'm not alone. Right. Oh, so I've been trying to do that more and more of just like, if I'm feeling frazzled, just be like, Oh, darling, what's up? (laughs) How are you? Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, I've gone through, I've gone through a lot of, uh, new experiences lately. And, uh, I guess I would say a lot of experiences where I eat peanut butter toast and drink peppermint tea. (laughs) <laughs> making my internal constitutions happy. Um, and uh, so I went at, at this one retreat. One of my friends is an astrologer and an intuitive health coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like making peace with your food and your body and all that richness. And she read this poem about called my brain and my heart divorced. Mm. And so about how the heart wants to, you know, have, you know, work with all the feelings and, and make sure that we're, we're centered and we feel whole and loved. And the brain is like, we got shit to do. We got to learn this. Let's move it on. So, um, so then there was this poem that talked about that. And then it was like, I'm tired of this, this battle. So I'm just going to live in my gut for a while. Mm-hmm. And so like, so in the gut you feel right. You kind of tap into that intuition. Right. Mm-hmm. But then in this poem, it's like, there's got to be something more because I'm kind of afraid to go upstairs, but I know that's where I am also. Yeah. And so um, in this poem, the gut, the, the, the wisdom of the gut says, have you thought about the lungs? Mm. And so the person moves into their lungs and the, the lungs swing open the door and she says, what took you so long? Mm. And so I've been practicing, um, 
I don't know. I do this countless times a day now where I will, I will breathe and then I will release. Um, I will do like a full scan. And, and most of the time what happens is I release, um, I'm clenching my, clenching my stomach a lot, clenching my stomach a lot. And so I just release and I breathe and I, I enjoy the moment. Like um, I've had a really, I've always had a crap time being proud of myself for anything I accomplish. Yeah. Ish, like I've socialized just to be the bulldozer, keep going, do it. All right, you did this. Next day, chop, chop. What's the next mountain we got to climb? No, no chance to like look back and be like, oh, nice Vista point, right? Right. Damn it. Um, so when I was in those moments where like I was in front, I was at a woman's retreat, like in front of 65 beautiful women and like talking about mom guilt and um, like I just took a moment in to breathe mm. and like, you know, see, you know, see, see the women and like kind of see where I'm at. Um, and then when I stepped on stage in front of a thousand people recently, I couldn't see any of them cause it was bright, but it was like <laughs> the audience, it was like this experience the audience was so welcoming. They were ready to just like embrace and support everybody who was on that stage. And, um, and so I just kind of like took a breath. And said, all right. And so I've been trying to like be proud of myself in that moment. And then afterwards I will write a note to myself mm. from that day to, to ground, ground that in. And um, yeah, yeah, so that's how yeah. I've been. That's awesome. Yeah. You got to rewire it in, you know, you're rerouting yeah. being like, oh, this is what I'm going to soak in. Cause yes, th this is what I want more of. Right? right. This is what it feels like to stand on a stage and be yeah. ready to share my message and to like own that and be there. Yeah. That's powerful stuff. <sighs> yeah. It was so good. It's so good. There's so many funny pictures of my, my faces as I tell my story, but that's all. That's all. <laughs> so he's like, Heidi, I think you like the stage. And I was like, I think I did like the stage. <laughs> Took a lot of energy though okay. out of me. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I'm still processing, like I'm writing poetry and like processing through, yeah. through the experience. Um, so like, you know, we all got, we all got different parts, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, who else is in my head? You know, <laughs> you're like, what other part needs to come forward? I know. I know. Like, what, other, what other rooms do I have in this house? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Apparently I got an auditorium in there. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. So now let's, okay. So I want to talk about imposter syndrome and uh, I want to talk about it through these three different, uh, filters. This is, I call it the, um, the pre-awareness filter, the with awareness, but still got angsty sadness filter and the working actively working with it. So it doesn't cripple us filter. Yeah. So I felt like that was really important because my, my experience of imposter syndrome as someone who actively works with it in that moment has com changed, com molted completely over the years based on where I was at. Mm -hmm. Um, so could you share a little bit about like where you were at the beginning? Like now that you can like look back on um, what, like how you started with imposter syndrome, like how did it, how did it show up for you? Yeah. So probably the first time, like if I'm thinking backwards in time would be when I tried to my first entrepreneurial kind of step out 
because mm-hmm. I was in a safe land. I was a teacher. I mean, I definitely probably had it then, but it was like I had a lot of confidence in myself and competence. Like I am skilled at working with kids, being a teacher. I mean, there were definitely moments there where, you know, starting a new job or something like that. But when I started taking, so my first entrepreneurial gig was taking what I'd learned in the classroom about classroom management and communication styles and conflict management amongst kids and taught and using nonviolent communication with parents and teachers. And I was trying to teach other teachers how to do that and like give workshops and things like that. And man, did I feel like I had all these thoughts running like, who are you? You didn't have the perfect classroom. Like all my failings, all the times that I wasn't great at it. I had a wealth of skills. I yeah. am great at all those things. Yeah. The column, yeah. The, your column's right. huge. All my column, right? <laughs> didn't matter. I was just like, who am I? I was probably still in my like late twenties. So I was like, I don't have, it was like racking up experience. Like it was very like I don't have this experience. I don't have these certifications. Like I didn't feel credible, even though, I mean, you could have even looked at my trainings. Like I have a wealth, like the amount of nonviolent communication hours of training, like within that system, so many, right. And it didn't matter because I was like, oh no, I'm branching out. How can I like book a room? Like I I did a class. How can I take my Lego set and do it, build it differently? (laughs) Right. I can't. They told me yeah. it came with these instructions. I had to use it this way. Right. Yeah. And I was just like, I know how to be a teacher, but it, it, would, it brought up all those things. So I just lived in a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. and I probably wasn't taking action steps like reaching out to people or doing this thing. And I had that sense that imposter syndrome comes with, they're going to find me out. Like I felt like oh. I was pretending, you know, when you act like a grown up. <laughs> all the time now where you're like, how can I be? I guess I'm making grown-up decisions now. <laughs> you know? I feel <laughs> like I'm walking around like... with the floppy hat and my sleeves are too long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I guess I know how to do this now. But that's what I felt like as I was like, someone's going to know. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't, like I just was really afraid all the time that someone yeah. was going to know that I hadn't done a workshop before or that I hadn't done this before. Even though like it was my first workshop or my second or my third, it was like, you know, like, some do you think it kept incredible. you from, do, do you think it kept you from stepping out into oh, that yeah. zone? I didn't build that business. I did like two or three workshops and then it dropped. I mean, there were other yeah. life circumstances there too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a baby and <laughs> moved around places and things happened, but yeah. it was like, also, I just didn't keep growing. You know, I didn't like yeah. follow up and do all the things that you're supposed to do. I got great mm-hmm. feedback on my workshops, but I was like, oh, there were only like two people on the first one. Two people signed up for my first workshop. That's, That's really good. good. Yeah. <laughs> Not right. Wow. Yeah, exactly. So it's like all those things yeah. that I just discounted. And so I just stopped. It just stopped my momentum. <sighs> I mean, I, I've obviously gone on to build other stuff, but it was like, it made it really slow, molasses, sticky. And it took so much out of me doing that workshop. And then that fear of like, what if people find out? What if they know, you know, and that, that energy, like I didn't know what to do with it. And I couldn't name why it was that hard. Like it may, like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. If it's this hard, it takes this much energy out of me. Why should I be doing this? Mm -hmm. Like clearly this is not the way that. Yeah. 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 This must not be right. Yeah. Yeah. That like unawareness of like, oh, this is just what it feels like when you start something new. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's not supposed to be like a rocket ship, you know, breaching the atmosphere, but it actually is. Yeah, exactly. And it's okay to be incompetent at the beginning, even when you have competence levels, it's okay to like 
not be at a thousand percent. Like, yeah. 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 Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So perfection is pleasing, you know, all the things. Yeah. Right so here. letting it, yeah. Letting it. So my, um, my, the blog that I have right now is the, my fifth blog. Fifth blog. Fifth. <laughs> Numero Senko. So my first four, um, like there were three poetry, I think I had three poetry blogs. The first mm-hmm. two, I didn't send to anybody. You just put them up on the internet. I just had them online, like through. They'll be found. (laughs) It was like the writer's version of MySpace. Like it does, like so long ago. And then there was this thing called like um, SOS blog or something, Mm -hmm. like kind of like a pre, like a crappy version of Medium. Mm -hmm. Um, And and yeah, so the first two I basically didn't send to anybody, and um, the third one I started sending stuff to like. my girlfriend who's now my wife like that was it there was like one person and then safe person yeah and then once in a while like i would send one of the poems to like some like i would actually put it on facebook but it was just like Mm. so so imposter syndrome i would say for sure like kept me like in my whole in in the filter of my life growing up in a math and science oriented household mm. um with a math and science engineering degree kept me thinking that i had to use my engineering lego set to be an engineer mm-hmm. yeah. and um and the fact that i i moved away from it because i was so i didn't even know that I didn't even know why, but I was just like, I'm too bored at this job. I couldn't even say like, this job is not for me. Or I would say like, this job is beneath me or something like that. Cause yeah. my ego was in charge. Protection. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. Protection. Yeah. Right. Protect my ego is protecting itself. Um, and so I moved into a safe, a very safe, non-risky, not in the spotlight way to at least fill part of my 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 big feeler and as being a fundraiser but it was always i was always behind the scenes everything i was doing is behind the scenes am i built for behind the scenes Mm. (laughs) men no (laughs) (laughs) sorry says Mm. (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about that so um so yeah so my imposter syndrome showed up as as just like the dutiful daughter and, mm. and, um, the good student. Yeah. And Following so she, yeah, she wasn't even the perfectionist. She wasn't even, um, I don't ever even remember any negative things. Cause I didn't try anything Yeah, until I started as a series of situations where I'd be out with my one friend during my divorce. I was going through a hot mess. I was figuring out I had feelings that I wasn't a robot. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning I'd wake up and my friend would be like, Heidi, that was so awesome. Thank you for all you, you know, shared with me last night. And I was like, I had two beers. So what was that? <laughs> and then she would email me back a poem mm-hmm. that I wrote her like right before I would fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it took me probably 10 years before I could say that I was a poet. Mm-hmm. To claim that. To claim it. it Because, right, in blogs, so many blogs, so many poems, right? Probably had like a thousand poems under my belt by the time that I sent one to somebody. Yeah. And then it took me, I went to a writer's conference in 2017. So it would be like maybe three years later. 
after that blog that I would send people the poems, mm-hmm. three years later, I went to a writer's conference and they would have all these affirmations. Like the speaker would be like, I'm a writer. And everyone had to say like, I'm a writer. And I'd be like, I can't do it. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And then one time, like the main speaker, who was this adorable little man who helps coaches writers. And like he I passed him in the hallway and I was like, I couldn't, I remember feeling like I, I couldn't say anything to him. So, so I was so, I felt like I had zero things in my writing column, right? Mm-hmm. Even though I'd been spending the last 10 years writing poetry. Um, and then for like our, my wedding, my wife, I gave my wife my poetry um, archive and she made me two books. Hmm. So I have two books of my poems. And, um, and so I could, I couldn't even say it at that point because of all that. So that was all like in the pre-awareness stage, but it's always hard when we try to break out. It's like, feels impossible. It feels like, and then I tried to do a blog that was more self-help that had like a self-help contingent with, mm. with my poetry. Mm. So my fourth blog like had the poetry plus Hmm. Um, a little, like, it wasn't even my stories, but it was like a self-help. And then, then it reared its all ugly head again. Like, you're not a licensed clinical, yeah. you know, therapist, yeah. you're not, you know, social worker, you're not, you know, all these things. And so I researched like a one post for like two months. Yeah. It took me five times, sits, five sits to like publish it. Quite and then I didn't send that. it to anybody. You're like, I'll just let this one sit up here. Yeah, this one will be out there, but it's not like, I'm not going to advertise it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it's crazy. It's like the closer you get to who you are on the inside, your ego gets so terrified. It like holds us in more, right? And then we have to claw through all that. The ego makes all that molasses. Yeah. Partners with the imposter be like, let's keep her in. Keeps it safe. And so no one will find out that, you know, if we make any mistakes along the way. So we want people to know we're perfect. Yeah. Yeah. We're so afraid of that criticism. That's part of imposter syndrome is like being really sensitive to even constructive criticism, because again, it's like cutting to the core of who we are Mm -hmm. rather than information that we could take in or discard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So in, so I think like the middle part is like, so when you first, so tell me about like experiences of when you started being able or an experience when you started being able to name imposter syndrome, um, but couldn't quite figure out how to manage it yet. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's like the emotional ramifications of like the, the criticism. So even when you can name it, sometimes the like emotional backlash is still really strong. So I feel like it's even worse sometimes. Oh yeah. Awareness often brings like unawareness sometimes has a bliss to it. Yeah, and ignorance bliss. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss, right? Um, it isn't truly. I don't actually believe that, but there is a kind of an element of if you don't know, you can't change it. But once you know what it <laughs> is, true. then you're like, I need to change it. And that's part mm-hmm. of the problem, right? Yeah. Um, is trying to resist it happening instead of just noticing it, witnessing it. Yeah. So right now, so I am not a physician, but I coach physicians. And so I experience imposter syndrome all the time because I'm like, who am I to coach physicians? even though I'm in a great position because I'm not a physician. So I'm not hired in medical culture. So I'm asking the right questions. I'm not going to jump in the pool with anyone. Right. Yeah. That in and of itself, like of not being a physician, but being a physician's coach brings up a lot of stuff. So when I was first 
naming that as my niche and like working with people in the field and like trying to put myself out there. I was like, Oh my gosh, everyone's going to know. I don't have MD by my name. Like, like that would come up and I'd like give talks to doctors, like a wellness talk about my stuff of the inner critic. And I was like, this is so fluffy. Like everyone's probably judging me. Like all these things. It was like knowing that that was imposter syndrome, like knowing deep down that what I have to share is important. And that like Mm -hmm. every physician I've ever talked to struggles with their inner critic because like they're human and like culture also does like enforces that, like that's how you power through to get through a lot of like tough stuff is that people use their inner critic. So even in those talks, I would, I would be white afterwards where I'd just be like, I could name it. And then I was judging the imposter syndrome. Like you are a coach, you know, that this is imposter syndrome. You shouldn't be feeling this way. You should feel confident. So you're layering on to like, Oh yeah. You through, like multiple battles, right? Exactly. You so have to like spend the energy just to get through the topic. And then you're exactly. like having this whole side conversation with yourself and then you're inner, yeah. there's like an inner war. Right. Which again, then is a block. It's like, this is so exhausting, like to like go through it and to keep trying to convince myself that it's just imposter syndrome, but I do have something of value to share. Mm-hmm. It was really hard because the emotional backlash after going through that, like the exhaustion of it was something that I wasn't managing very well because I still felt like an imposter. And, the, and then I had the added thought, but you shouldn't feel like one because you're not. And so then I was judging the imposter. That's it was just, wow. you know, that's, and that's my like specialty. That's, that's what I know my brain does all the time. It like, like well, let's just get some more learning in. Yeah, exactly. Where I was like, I need to just get better about this. Mm-hmm. I need it again, that expertise of like, oh, well I must just, instead of just being like, I just obviously need to give more talks. Like I was like, maybe I need to research the topics that I'm going to talk on more. Right. So it's like a distraction too, <sighs> from like the actual work of like, how you face it is you love yourself and you keep doing it. You keep being like, okay, that was one thing. And I got off that first talk that I gave and I was like, that was the most embarrassing thing ever. And I was like, sure, like totally ashamed, hard time reaching out. They asked me back. So it's like, <laughs> there's no evidence for it. <laughs> there's oh. no evidence for it. They're like, people really enjoyed the talk. I'm like, the little drama that goes on in our heads. How did we evolve so, to have such large egos in exactly. charge all the time? It is. Yeah. It makes me wonder about like the whole like primate population if they just walk around with, because obviously they're not like, I mean, they're communicating to each other, but like, yeah, did it start there? Like, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. yeah, yeah I'm, I'm wondering know. what part in our evolution it became really kind of like our brains were almost too big for themselves. Like there were too many loops that were just like, like all of a sudden life's not simple anymore. It's like super complicated just because of our big brains. <laughs> the people have stopped being productive and they're just kind of like, you know, beating themselves up all the time. I think yeah. we took a wrong turn in Albuquerque. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Why did we get off at this stop? <laughs> this is not helping anybody or the planet. People. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. What about yeah. you? Um, so my, I would say the first time I really was exposed to the word, um, my ego was like, you don't have that. (laughs) (laughs) Again, that same, like that thing of like, that's not me. (laughs) So I had just, okay. So I had just been fired for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then I dove into a 16 week, like make your own amazing career course. It was like, I was doing like 40, 50 hours of work a week on like a course. Mm -hmm. It was intense. Um, 
And in that, in that course, I remember there would be group calls. It was group calls before they were popular. Um, were they where, like over the phone? Like, they, like no, they, they were, they, that was my first experience with Zoom. Oh, okay. So, I'd be like, oh, this is so weird. I feel like I'm on the Brady Bunch. I just kept, remember, I was like looking around and I was like, I wonder if anyone else is looking around. Um, and I still do that though. I think it's fun. Anyway, um, and so women would, it was my first experience of being in a circle where women would share things that weren't perfect mm, in their lives. Vulnerability. Vulnerability. <laughs> yes. Yes. For vulnerability. And, um, and then someone had, someone mentioned like, we all, there was like five of us on the call. There was like 15 total. Five of us realized that there were some narcissistic threads in our family of origin mm. and that we were all the enablers. And then um, someone made that jump to like, you know, that, that probably didn't help in, in feed the, the imposter syndrome mm. that, that I have, like being that enabler and just being someone who's supposed to do for everybody else and stay in the lines and, and, you know, stay, stay, stay safe and stay helpful, right. right? Stay helpful for everybody else and not, not try to blaze her own trail and do her own thing, which is like this whole course was about that, like finding mm -hmm. your own path, whether it be stay in corporate and, you know, kind of try to reach, go through the rungs of the ladder or break off and do your own thing, right? How to do that successfully. Um, yeah. So there's all these threads, right. Of all this, like, we all this have to shoulds, right. All this guilt to keep us like focused towards other people's values and other people's wants versus, um, you know, moving more authentically into, into claiming our values and where we, where you want to go. Um, and I remember every single call getting on every single call thinking I don't belong here. Hmm. <laughs> every single call. And so I couldn't name it until that moment when they clarified like what it was. So we had to go through the narcissism thread and like a lot of us were started crying like instantly. It was like this recognition. And then, um, and then we also talked about imposter syndrome hmm. on that call. So yeah. So during that call, I, I learned a lot of things about, about my upbringing and, um, and my life and how I, how I've showed, showed up and in, in, um, but yeah, I would just, I would just go. And I remembered, um, there was the homework after that call was we had to write our own qualifications mm -hmm. and like resident, like qualities. So not just like our skills, but like who we were as people, like our personality mm -hmm. traits. And, and I remember just staring at a blank piece of paper. And I was like, I don't have anything to put in here. Hmm. If it wasn't like learning or a course I took. And um, and so I apparently it was very that was a very common answer was was we don't know. And so we the next week we had to go out and ask like three people for hmm. like what who who we were to start to fill that in. So that was my that was probably my first experience. Um starting starting to kind of like kind of battle with it. And, um, and as I launched my, um, so I went through that, that fourth blog and I think I maybe posted five, five different times or whatever. And then I, and I stopped because it was so hard. It was so yeah. messes driven and I was doing all this research and I was like, I am not a therapist. Mm -hmm. This is not a therapist blog. 
I felt like I had to do a million disclaimers stating that. And so basically I was saying like, you can read my stuff, but it's not helpful. Like as helpful as a therapist. Like, I was just like basically giving a disclaimer at the beginning of each post saying, don't read this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or I hope you don't read this basically. <laughs> so, um, don't believe anything I say. Don't believe anything I say because I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but yeah. it's like, I, I, right. I'd been walking through a healing journey for almost like eight years at that point. So I'd walked through so much loss and so much like I was starting to figure out like what self, like that self-love and self-care wasn't bullshit. Like there's a real thing. Um, and, uh, so I had to go through a whole nother series of tunnels to get to a point um, where I believed in myself. Mm-hmm. So I had to love myself enough to feel like I feel like the the big thing for me um, was being enough. Yeah. Like that. That's a huge part of my healing is like I would say that to myself every day. So so moving on to the third thing, but it's just like, yeah, like, oh, okay. So yeah, and I will say, I will say I'm like, as I was working through the molasses, I had so much like envy in comparison and like of other people. It was just like, Facebook was really difficult. Very, very yeah. difficult for me. Um, and I always relied on what other everybody else thought of me to like mm-hmm. build that worth. So I would, I, my purse was full of, of gratitude notes from people, my bedside table, like mm. that was my, those were my crutches. Right? right. So still all external, right. All external. Yeah. And so, um, and so once I was able to figure out, like, I think a couple, I think a, a couple years ago, I started to figure out like how much, like how much, how big of a role imposter syndrome has played mm. in, in my, um, cause I'm already a thoughtful, also known as slow worker. Um, and so it has slowed me even more, right. Right. right from my natural pacing. Right. Um, and so like how, what, um, I guess, what is your experience of imposter syndrome now? I'm just really curious. And also what do you, what do you use? Cause I have things I use for it, but I want to know like what you, what you use for it. Yeah. So, I mean, my thing is always self-compassion and I think, you know, like just being aware. So those three steps, like what am I feeling and like name it to tame it, right? You got to name it say, this is imposter syndrome, Mm. right? I might feel it. Where do I feel it in my body? What does it feel like? Oh, I know this experience. So that like mindfulness piece, like, oh yeah, I can name it. I can feel it. Right. And then I can Mm -hmm. tame it and I can heal it. And then that second piece of, um, uh, mindful self-compassion is the common humanity piece. And this is the one where I think imposter syndrome, like is so it's like my key in imposter syndrome, because if you read any book about imposter syndrome, you will realize that like you're in the company of Meryl Streep, Maya Angelou, Jodie Foster, almost any like author, anyone famous who has gotten like lots of accolades has had this feeling. Yeah. And all doctor, all female doctors, apparently most of them. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's like, you can look at this like whole body and you could just talk to people on the street. You could probably pull any person over probably any woman for sure. And be like, Hey, have you ever had this feeling? And they probably would have. So again, that common humanity just connects us because imposter syndrome can make you feel like you're alone. Mm -hmm. You feel like an imposter. Mm -hmm. Like you don't want to get found out. It like, stay back in there, stay in, stay in, stay here, stay safe, you know, and you're like worried and you're on this like hypervigilant of like, what Mm -hmm. if people find out? So it's not safe. 
again, to be vulnerable, but truly this is like a common thing that people feel no matter how many awards, how many Nobel prize, you know, winners actually feel like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I deserve this. Like if they really knew the real me and all the work that went into it, like it's just hard work or luck or whatever you dismiss it. Yeah, so again, right. I use common humanity of like, Oh, mm. I'm in a great company. Like even imagining like standing in that circle of like, Oh, this is a thing mm. that connects me with Maya Angelou. Like, how incredible is that? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I'm having a common human experience, mm. not alone. And then that self-compassion piece of like, it's hard. It's This is a hard thing that humans go through is to have this feeling that they're a fraud and not allowed to be here and whatever, you know? And there's a lot of factors that lead up to that. And there's a lot of reasons why we feel those things. And it's just hard. So again, giving myself mm. that place of like, hey, darling, yeah. just like rocking wow. myself, like what? how can I hold myself in this moment? So that's what I'm using right now. But it's really that middle piece where I'm just like remembering like, oh, this is normal, like normalizing it and being like, not only is it normal, I'm in great company. Oh, yeah. This is what it feels like to be up to big things in the world. Sometimes this comes up. Sometimes. I love it. It's like we all we'll walk through this wall of water that soaks us and makes us feel like shit. And we come out the other side, we feel soggy and like we want to go back inside, but it's just like we, that's what we're all doing. Yeah. And so just recognizing that like maybe we're all doing it and holding hands. Right. Because we're doing this alone. Yeah. Yeah. And the more that we talk about it and the more that we name it, the less power it actually has. Mm. And it's that like be vulnerable with safe people. That's like a Brene Brown thing. Like don't offer your wow. like, gift of vulnerability to people who don't deserve it. There's places not to talk about imposter syndrome because it probably yeah. would increase your <laughs> imposter syndrome. But like this conversation, it's like, like if you're hearing this or like, I, I feel more connected. I know like, this is what it is mm. to like be an entrepreneur, to be a woman, to be up to big things in the world, to like offer your gifts out into the world. It's risky, vulnerable. And sometimes you feel like an imposter, Yeah, but you really uh, aren't. And so you can have people, and yourself remind you that you're not. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that common humanity piece. It's just so validating. It is. Um, yeah. So um, this, so let's see, two weekends ago, I was an MC at a retreat for like 72 hours. Like I was just on, 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 taking care wow. of people, like just loving on them. Like it was so good. It was, it fits so well with my, my big nurturing mama personality to mm. be able to like hold space for people and like welcome them in and like be like a gentle guide for whatever they need in that moment. Like Mm -hmm. that. I, I just loved that piece and it was very draining. That's a lot of energy you're holding. Like all Friday, all Saturday, half of Sunday, I came home, I went straight into, I felt great, but I also felt like Right. My body was just like, uh, yeah, that like high jittery of like, I just love this big thing, but I'm like wired tired. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Sunday wasn't like we ended on a chill note. We ended like with a fancy brunch and there was like a Mm. saxophone and a keyboard dude and all this stuff. So I had to dress up on a Sunday. Usually I'm in, you know, sweats and that's my down day. Um, And so my weekend, I moved my whole weekend. I gave my whole weekend away to like doing this thing and showing up. And then I did went straight into mom because my kids were like, we missed you, mommy. And so I love my dear teenagers that they still want contact time and hang out. 
Which uh, you want to be grateful for and like totally. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course I'll make you cookies and let's talk about mm-hmm. like what you did. And like, oh, you need to go to the store. And like, oh, you need driving time. Let's, let's, let's do all these things. Yeah. And so, like, My needs, I'm going to just. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm just going to like. Shell that. <laughs> I will, I will figure out how to fill my cup um, through you, which never really works with a parent. Um, but anyway, that, maybe that's what I say to myself. And, uh, and so Monday night at 6 PM, I'm looking at a four hour, uh, rehearsal for the next weekend, who is like a show in front of a thousand people. So six to 10. And so (laughs) I remember being in the middle of my talk and it was like, I normally pay kind of pace when I talk a little bit, but like, I couldn't see my page and it kept like glaring. And I was like Mm -hmm. mixing up my words. And I remember all of a sudden, a voice popped in my head. She was like, you're fucking this up. Mm. It's the week before oh, the show. Really Thanks for showing you up. You don't belong here. Like, what are you doing? You need to just go home. It was just like full, full impossible, right? Because I was so drained, yeah. right? And she just swung that door wide and was like, you need me here to take control. Yeah, you clearly need to just stop. And I remember she was like, stop walking. And so I stopped walking. I stopped pacing because that's my normal casual mm-hmm. mode. And I just adjusted the the like the podium the stand thing. And then I just spoke it. And then I remember like because there wasn't much feedback. But when it was like, you seemed really tired. And I was like, yeah, I'm really tired. I need to go to the bathroom. And so I went to the bathroom. And I just bawled mm. for like min- like it seemed like a long time. And then I cleaned my face up and I was like, all right, let's go back and support my fellow storytellers for this show. And uh, I remember like hiding in the back of the room. And then I and then my friend was like, come sit. And I came sit and she looked at me. She's like, are you OK? Mm. And I said, no. And then I just had like I just started crying and like. So there's these women that I've gotten to know from 12 weeks of we're all telling like some of these women are telling stories of like, like sexual trauma and like um, losing their spouses and caregiving their mom at end of life, like through dementia and just like such hard things. Um, and so like, right. So that was part of my thing. Cause my story was about, I told about my worthiness through um, a funnier story, right? It was a lighter story. And so part of my imposter was like, your story isn't as, mm-hmm. as serious as other people. So therefore it's not as good. Right. Um, and so I, this, this circle of like eight other women circled around me and held me mm. for like a few minutes. And they were like, you can go home <laughs> <laughs> and take care of yourself and we'll be fine. And so I did. I went um, home. I gathered my dog and my 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 stuffed Mr. Bear, this um, teddy bear, and I went to sleep. So it was like in that moment of like the full. It was like a full slap by the imposter syndrome. It was like I've never experienced it to that strength before. And so now, now that I have that, because I've experienced it in lots of other ways, and I'm able to say like. I believe in myself. Like I always do like, Mm -hmm. I am worthy. I am enough. I believe in myself and I'm going to learn the lessons I need to, to get to where I need to be. Right. So I give myself that compassion and grace to like show up how I need to. And so on Saturday, right before the show, I remember I started to hear a little bit of like, I got makeup on. And so I looked 
like for the stage and people are like, Heidi, you look so beautiful or whatever. And I'm just like doing all the minimizing and I'm just like, mm. uh, and just trying to like, I'm like, Oh my God, I have to go on stage and like, but all my words are in front of me. And I gave myself permission. Cause I had two different ways to tell my story. I gave myself permission to, to, to lean on a new way to tell my story. Mm. Um, and then I got to this place. So I, I did like a 40 minute meditation. It was about like, just like um, anxiety release. And cause I had a lot of anxiety and I was like um, present moment. So I'm just like present, present breath, right. I was doing the breath, getting from my gut into my lungs, from my head into my lungs. Um, and then something happened. I don't know. I don't know what happened or whatever. Um, but I was like, I'm going to give myself permission to play. Hmm. And so that was like this weird, I've never had that happen. Like that didn't happen at the SEMC. I didn't give myself permission to play. You were working. (laughs) I was working. I was doing it. I was being like the big love and mama. But yeah, I gave myself permission to like believe in myself enough and give myself enough grace that I can also have fun. Yeah. And I've never experienced that before. So I went on stage and I felt like, oh, it's on now, bitches. Right. I can do all the crazy hand gestures. <laughs> I'm going to to my vibrator right in the middle of, you know, I know my son's in the audience. He's going to be like, mom, because he came to me. He's like, mom, I have a lot more questions than I did at the beginning of your speech, <laughs> but I'm not willing to ask you them right now. <laughs> and we're not going to talk about them at the moment. <laughs> but I just, I was like, all right, these are my words. I've been saying them for, you know, 12 weeks. Yeah. And let's not be boring about it. Let's have just have fun with it. Yeah. I love that. We take all of this imposter syndrome, perfectionism, all these things are so serious. It's like everything's on the line. Yeah. And really, we're just here, like living life. Like really nothing's on the line. Like it's just like, oh, let's see what happens. Like it, we really could adopt that stance at any point. It takes a lot of work, but it's like, once you get there, you're like, oh, what if I could just have fun? Yeah. I love yeah, that. Like what, what it, what it, what, what if? Like, you know, like, is this what all the abundance mentors are talking about? Like, it doesn't have to be a struggle and it could be easier. It could just be easy and fun. And like, maybe I can just show up and like, tell my story. And it's like, not a big deal. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Such freedom. It does. It's like, oh my gosh. Then there's freedom to breathe. All that constriction, all that tightness. It's just like, oh wait, if this is just a game, if I'm just playing, if I'm just having fun, like, like, yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. And then totally reminds me of a whole other story of me learning how to do eye makeup recently. Mm. <laughs> so I didn't wear eye makeup like my entire adult life until four weeks ago. Oh. Um, Again, like, playing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, just yeah. Playing. yeah. So at first I started and, and it was just like, I hate, I would avoid doing it and it was hard, but it was like, it was something I kind of wanted to do. I'd been noticing it like makeup on other women, which I normally didn't, hmm. but I'd be like, Oh, she, her eyes are so pretty. And like, I wonder how you did that and whatever. But then I was like reading all the blogs and listening to all the vlogs and like work hard at it. Right. Yeah. Like what kind of set of brushes I needed and like all these kind of shades. And I was like, struggle, struggle, work hard, hard, hard. And then my wife who uh, used to sell Mary Kay, um, she was like, she gave me a little tutorial and she, and, and of course, cause she has a lot of experience with it. She's like, well then now you can just play. And I was like, no, I can't. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm working hard here. Like, yeah. I got to figure this out. I don't want to, I don't, don't want to look like I have hay fever all the time. 
but yeah, but now like, like today I was like, Oh, like I'm playing. I was like, what do I want to do? And like, I can, I can play. So yeah. I feel like that was a whole new world to me. A I was like, another, like door, like side door. It's not even like up leveling. It's just like, Oh, you can take this exit out here. Yeah, like, you know, this is a nice place to be. <laughs> yeah. Like, can yeah. we bring, can I bring my inner imposter? My, I call it like my fifties perfectionistic um, housewife. Yeah. Right. Can I bring her curlers and all? Can I bring her over into that door? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if she gets any extra flower on her apron, she's going to be pissed. But you know what? She might eventually have fun. Who knows? Yeah. Give her a different job. Like what else could you do- use all these like skills for? And yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. So we're going to, um, we're going to, this has been an absolutely lovely. Yeah. It's been fun. Yeah. Oh, and all sorts of so fun stories. So um, I love this part of uh, the pod and the show. So if there was one thing that you could use a magic wand and touch everyone in the audience who hears this, um, what message would you have for them? Mm. Mm. Yeah, you are already whole. Mm. That's what I've been telling. Like, what if everything in this moment, like, what if just as things are, what if this is wholeness right now, just as it is? And just to play with that. What if right now, no matter where you are, what you're up to, just even the question, what if you're already whole? Mm. What does that mean? Yeah. I love that. God, I love that. Yeah, that's huge. Because when we come from wholeness, it's a whole different game. When I come from wholeness, I come from brokenness plenty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not even 50-50. But when I come from that like yeah. assumption of wholeness, again, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. I can play. I have the right to play here. Yeah. What if we're not broken? We're just burnished in the fire. Yeah. You know, if this is what wholeness looks like. Yeah. That wholeness drenched in the else, water. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. This is whole. Oh. What if this is love? What if this is, you know what it's meant to be like. Oh, God, I love that. I love yeah. That. Brings me a lot of peace. Mm. I have been um, playing with um, what do I need to give myself permission to be today? Mm. Like, can I continue to open that door? Like I give myself permission to, to be tired. I give myself permission mm-hmm. to, to um, be quiet I give myself permission to, to not be the mom who walks the dogs every day. <laughs> like, you know, so permission, right? Giving ourselves that, not giving that away. So, so um, yeah, what do you have to give yourself permission to be? Yeah. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. to be human, to mm-hmm. like permission to be all the things, the whole yeah. kaleidoscope of anything that could yeah. be experienced. Yeah. Can you give yourself permission to be whole? Yeah. To feel whole? Mm. Mm, I love that. Reminds me of that Shel Silverstein book, The Missing Piece. I think you know. I haven't. I saw that one on the mm. shelf when I was in the library. We have all the others. We have a bunch of others at my house with my son, but I haven't done that one. I will, okay, I will that one's about home right now. Yeah, I love that. I'm gonna go pull it off my shelf after the show. Okay, so um, the Snowman of Affirmation. I love the Snowman. My little glass snowman full of affirmations. <laughs> you change it for spring? Um, I, these, are, these are like my favorite colors. It's like the bright orange, yellow, green, pink. Yeah. So, yeah. Will I change it for spring? Maybe. I used to have a bowl of affirmation, but then I mm-hmm. found the snowman and he was calling to me at Goodwill. And I was it like, just needed to be it was on thing. 
Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if there is a spring version of him. He can. <laughs> he can go and he can have a vacation too. Okay. Do you have a a color that you would like? Mm, I'm thinking green today. Okay. Okay. Mm. I create space to heal, love, and grow into my happiest self. Mm. Amen. <laughs> love that. Love that. I'm feeling pinky today. I've been drinking a lot of uh, white rose tea lately. Mm. I get in a streak where I want rose tea a lot. It's like something oh. soothing about it. I was drinking the like Tulsi basil rose. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I just, I realized um, I used to always go to this one place in town. They have the best tea selection and I would always get the rose tea there. And I was like, why can't I have this at home? Yeah. I give myself permission. Give yourself permission to have the nice thing at home all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and so then I also uh, bought rose water. So not only like I will. Oh, yeah. That's food. a nice one to put on your face. Oh, so good. Okay. Because I'm usually like a lavender girl because I'm mm. always like whew, breathing, breathing. Yeah. Trying to oh. calm it all down. That's yeah. <laughs> all just chill out, people. And I was like, you're already really calm, Heidi. Don't you need to like ramp it up? And I was like, no, we always need to chill it out. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take it down a notch. Yeah. I am making positive mm -hmm. changes in the world. Yay. Yeah. Yay. And I need that. Stories, right? Like through laughter, through <laughs> giving yourself permission to show up in all the ways. Yeah. All the fun ways. All the fun ways. All right. And so everyone who's uh, listening or watching the replay, I'm picking an orange one for you. Ah, there you go. For your journey through mm -hmm. imposter syndrome. I love who I am and who I am becoming. Amen. All right. Well, that is it for my show. Jennifer, it has been an absolute delight. Thanks for having me. Uh, and for a good conversation. Yeah, so good. So good. And uh, any questions, if you're out there listening, any questions, just put them in the chat or you can email me at howdy at howdyester.com. I'll get back to you. No problem. <laughs> All righty. Well, sending you all love, light, and laughter. I'm Heidi Esther, and this is with Jennifer Irwin. And see you next time. Mm -hmm.